is the most scariest thing, <laughs> um, but we'll try our best. But one thing I want to turn to, if you've got your Bibles there, we're just going to be looking at one chapter today, very, very briefly. And one thing that we're going to extrapolate is this idea of what it means to have a reset. Now, why are you actually here today? Are you here for a specific reason? Are you wanting something different in your life that is not happening right now? Isn't that why we come to church? We want something different. We want something to change in our life. And that person <laughs> and that very thing is Jesus Christ. And so the idea of Easter is that Israelite, the Israelites have been going through the motions and they needed a reset. They needed something because they themselves were stuck. They themselves were looking for a king. But yet the king that came was not for a physical kingdom to take back Jerusalem. But in fact, one that came with a spiritual reset for all of our lives. So we're going to start our text here in John chapter 3. And it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named who? Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So that's the scene. Then the man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so from the very get-go, from John chapter 3, we meet this man, Nicodemus. And there's three things that we can kind of point out at the moment. There's probably more if it was a full sermon. But we're going to look at three things. But he says he's a Jewish ruler, which shows that he is an important authoritative figure. He is a man of influence. And in fact, he is actually a teacher himself. That people look to him and he shares wisdom with the people. He shares scripture. He shares the Torah. But he's also known as a Pharisee, one of the religious leaders as well. And he actually is part of the Sanhedrin, I believe. But the third thing that we learn is from the very start here in verse 2. What does it say? Rabbi, we know. How many times or how, how many of us could say we know Jesus? Not know about him, but do you truly know who Jesus is? And so when we look at this text, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Tick, because <laughs> he's been teaching them. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so a lot of the Pharisees at the time are thinking, this man is heretical. This man it must not be of God. He's doing things. He must be of the devil, they say later in the chapter. But Nicodemus has seen something. He's been studying the scriptures, waiting for the soon Messiah to come, or the prophecies that are pointing to it. I think there's about 326 from the top of my head. 326 prophecies he's been reading. They've been waiting. They've been searching, and they've been waiting for the Messiah to come. And one thing I love about, and before we write off Nicodemus, because when we see the word Pharisee, it kind of gives us this negative feeling. But not all Pharisees are bad. But in fact, when we look to him, he says, you know what? You do these, no one can do these signs unless God is with him. So my follow-up question is this. As Adventists, or as Christians, if you're not an Adventist here today, welcome to our visitors as well, is as Christians or Adventists, do we know? We know Sabbath. We know that we shouldn't eat unclean meats. Cool. <laughs> but let me tell you, that is the most shallow part of Christ, if you ask me. Do we really know Jesus? Do we know? 
And so we look at our next text here in John chapter 10. So my eyes are terrible. <laughs> he was in, we go back to John chapter 1, sorry, verse 10. The very beginning, it talks in the beginning was the word. Anyways, in verse 10 it says, He was in the world and the world was made through him. But guess what? Yet the world did not know him. So when you read the story here in John 3, did Nicodemus really know Jesus? I would say at this point, he didn't. He was interested. There was this little bit of a tease that Jesus feeds him all of this information. But what Jesus tells us in the very first part of John 1, that the world did not know him. And the question is, where do we fall in this text? We'll keep looking. <laughs> and then in John chapter 3, we skip ahead in the verse. It says this as well. And Jesus replies to him and says this, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know. So now it is confirmed, does Nicodemus actually know? Rabbi, we know. But Jesus says, hang on a minute, but you do not know. Where it comes from or where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so the powerful message of Easter is the death of Jesus, but not only the death, but is the resurrection that gives us the blessed hope of heaven. Amen? That new Jerusalem. I love that song. Thank you, guys. But that new Jerusalem is what we hope for. And so as we continue looking, the question is, do we know who Jesus is? In fact, do we know where we're actually going? And he continues on saying this in John chapter 3. You are Israel's teacher. And so it flips. All of a sudden, he's at the start of John chapter 3 verse 1, that he is a Jewish ruler. He is a Pharisee. He is a teacher. And then Jesus says, hang on a minute. I'm teaching you. So I kind of see this comedic side that you are Israel's teacher, yes, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things very truly. I tell you, we speak of what we know. Now, you hear the scriptures from me, but have you had your own experience with Jesus this week? Have you had your own experience because it's very easy to share what someone else has shared with you. But you yourself need to experience it for yourself. And you know what Jesus has seen? And he says it later in the text. He's seen the Father in heaven. Amen? And so he speaks on behalf of what he has seen. And so if you want to share the message of this reset, of this new picture of grace because of the cross, you need to experience it for yourself. You need to know but of who Jesus is. But not only does he say, very truly I tell you, and you see this statement all the time, very truly I tell you, it's important. And we testify, oh, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. They do not know him. They've been searching the scriptures. They do not know him. They do, have not seen what he has seen. I have spoken to you of earthly things. So think about this. The most advanced thing that Jesus could talk about is what heaven is like. But he says, if you cannot even understand the earthly things, then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? And the question is, have we got to the point where we understand the earthly things that now we can understand the spiritual heavenly things that is happening around us right now? Do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, you've seen him. <laughs> and so the question 
that we pose is, do you know of Jesus? There's a difference between knowing about him and actually knowing who he is. And so the challenge that we learn from Nicodemus is he's heard about Jesus from others. He's read about him, but has he experienced a relationship with him? Does he truly know Jesus? And the question is, do we truly know who Jesus is? And so we continue on. I think my click has stopped. <laughs> and so the question, or the thing that we see from this very first point, and there's only two today, is what you see shows who you know. And we'll unpack that a little bit further. But for us, sometimes may, what we may see is what we want, because all we know is ourself. But if we know Jesus, then we'll be able to see what Jesus sees. Does that make sense? That the world actually becomes a bigger place after this reset after having that encounter with Jesus Christ. And so he continues on here in verse, in the next verse here, in verse 51, as we speed up. Sorry, back to John 1. We're jumping back and forth. He then added very truly, again, that word and that statement again, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And this is when he's talking to his, his disciples that he's bringing um, to the fold. <laughs> and he says, you know what? Very truly, you will see heaven <laughs> and you know what would you like to be part of that group would you like to be able to see and let me tell you that's a big statement if you're willing to see what jesus sees it means you've got to do something about it as well it's easy to say oh, we want to see like jesus but not only do we need to see but we have to do as well and so we jump back again this idea of see these two words know and see we see in john chapter 3 verse 3 and we're going back to the beginning that Jesus replied very truly, again, I tell you, the third time, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. <laughs> what does this mean? Nicodemus has this big debacle as we look. Is how can we enter a womb a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And so he says, Jesus replies in verse 5, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so when we look to this idea of Easter, they didn't even have the opportunity to truly know who God is because they didn't know who Jesus was. And if you know the Son, you know who? The Father. And so now the opportunity has been presented before Nicodemus. The opportunity that Jesus is saying, guess what? You've been reading about me. You think you know, but you don't because you don't know who I am. And if you know who I am, then you'll know who my Father is in heaven. And so he's giving him an opportunity to meet and know Jesus. And you know what? The whole point of Easter is that God is knocking on that door. He's knocking on your heart saying, do you want to know me today? Do you want to know me? Do you want to see me? Do you want to see what I see? And do you want to act on what I act on? And so, when we talk about this thing being born again, right? It's something important. Would you agree? Was baptism something very significant for you? <laughs> Did it die down afterwards? Well, you probably followed 99% of everyone else as well. But this idea is that if it isn't significant, did it actually happen? When you accepted Jesus, was it significant? And when we talk about Easter, if Easter's not important, then is it actually significant for us? I say it is because we've just made a big program to merge two churches together. We run Easter camp every year and we've made it one of the most important aspects of our church. And you know what? It has to be because Easter is all about how we get to see the love of God 
on the cross. Amen. I think that's God calling. <laughs> but if it isn't significant, did it actually happen? So I'll ask you the question as we are rounding up now is this. What has been the most significant thing that has happened in your life? So I'm thinking marriage, baptism. If you haven't done either of those things, maybe get in your first car, <laughs> whatever it may be. Maybe your first dog or your fifth dog <laughs> or fifth cat, if you swing that way. But the most significant thing, I'm going to answer it for you, was actually your birth. Without your birth, you wouldn't be here. And nothing would be of significance. So do you think it was coincidental when Jesus said, you have to be born again, you will not be able to enter what? The kingdom of God. And so there's such importance, and this is the text we're looking at, focusing on, is this, is what does it mean to be born again? You can ask Dave afterwards for his sermon. <laughs> but when we look at this idea of what it means to be born again, this is one of the most significant events in all of your history. You were born for a purpose. You were called for a purpose, and God allowed you to be born so that you would do big things for him. It is the most significant part of your life. And let me tell you, when you were born, something changes. Something changes in you. If you're wondering, that's me. No. <laughs> um, and me, my wife, and my son, they're at the back there. Hello. Um, <laughs> but I want to ask the question this, this idea of being born again. Sorry, Julian, I made him cry. <laughs> Is there a difference in character between non-Christians and Christians? <laughs> you know what? I've met a lot of non-Christians, and they are absolutely lovely people, beautiful people. But the question is, is there actually a difference between, I don't want to say us and them because we're the same, is non-Christians to Christians? What makes us Christian isn't really about our character anymore, if you, would you agree? But actually, the only thing that changes is our rituals. Do we stay the same person? But the only difference is we stop eating pork, or most of us. And we keep Sabbath now. And let me tell you, <laughs> is that being born again? We've got to be very careful not to make the mistake that change of ritual is actually being born again. They're the fruits, don't get me wrong, but very shallow fruits if you ask me. It's not hard to keep one day a holiday, it's pretty good. <laughs> and also to stay away from certain food, maybe a challenge. It is sometimes for me, but other food's not. <laughs> but this idea that is it only our rituals that have changed rather than our character. And so we need to be very careful that we mistaken this idea of being born again as just a change of rituals. But being born again is a change of character. It's a change of who you know and what you see. And that is what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus, that you think you know, but if you did know, then you would see that I am the Son of God. And if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. <laughs> you've seen my dad in heaven. And so what I find interesting is the same trap that tricked the Jews that they thought keeping the law was keeping them saved to the point where they got very loose 
and they pendulum swung as you look at the history for thousands of years of the histories they pendulum swung and started making extra laws and so we've got to be very careful not to fall into the trap that we ourselves are keeping the rituals means that we in fact know jesus keep sabbath i do this and that awesome but that is not enough to be born again and so going back to my son why did he use this imagery of being born again and the question is as a church are we still stuck in the womb do we only see very limited in what we see we just feel like kicking the mum whenever we want it's time to kick (laughs) but the question i ask here is are we still in the womb or in fact have we left the womb and now the whole world is a brand new place and when i talk about my son he himself is so looking around whenever he sees things it's exciting he want, when he sees people walking, he wants to stand up and walk. When he looks around, when he came out, the whole new world, the whole thing that he saw, his whole world changed. Everything changed in an instant. A whole new world. And not only was it a whole new world, but now he had more opportunity to experience the world. Amen? And so the question is, when we are born again, have we left the womb? left outside these walls, and now do we see the world the way that Jesus sees it? Have you been born again, not by a ritual, but by through your heart and through your character and who you know changes in how you now see the world? If Jesus himself saw the world purely from a heaven's perspective and that was it, he would have stayed there. But he saw the bigger picture of the earth that needed to be saved, that the character of love was the very thing that pushed him to go to earth because he wanted you in heaven with him. That is the message of Easter. The very message that we need to be born again. My, myself included. This idea of being reset, to reset our minds and refocus, thinking we need to see the world as an opportunity to share the everlasting gospel. Amen? That we need to know Jesus. And when we know him, not by our rituals, but our changing character being born again, we will now see the world differently. And it reminds me, and another analogy for those who don't have a child yet, that's okay, but a car, right? You've got something, this was my first car, and when I was driving this thing, there's not much I could do except stay on the roads. But when you get something like this, wife, can I get it? Oh, she's gone. She said yes. <laughs> but when you get something like this, a four-wheel drive, your whole world opens. You're not bound by sealed roads anymore. You can go wherever you want if you've got a Toyota. If you've got a Prado, nah, tough. No, nah, just kidding. <laughs> got a few members with a Prado. But when you have a new car like this that is modded to be a four-wheel drive, when you know, you know you can go beyond the world of the road and you can go up mountains, you can go through riverbeds if they're shallow enough, that your whole world changes, does it not? When you have a new car and it is the same with a baby being born again it is the same thing that your whole world opens up when you're born again as a christian you do not just look at the people insular in our church here but now we look beyond ourselves we look in our workplaces we look in our schools and we see what christ is is that they need to know him and they need to be forgiven and they need to accept grace have you been born again and the challenge is do we need that reset Are you still in the womb thinking you're in the world? I keep some of the rituals. I think I've made it. But let's not wait till the second coming. But Jesus says we have this new life now in Romans, I think, chapter 6, that we ourselves now can experience this reset, this new character to know Jesus and to share it with the world. So as we finish, and obviously we didn't get to too much, but this idea Nicodemus walks away. Did Nicodemus know? I wouldn't say so in chapter 3. 
I think he walked away very confused, even being an educator at the top, a ruler, a Pharisee. Did he actually see what Jesus saw? Don't think so. But the beautiful message of Nicodemus is there's two other mentions in the book of John. And I believe he had that reset, that he had that born-again experience, that now he saw the world differently as a child does when they enter the world. An opportunity. And the first one that we find is in John chapter 7, verse 50. And Jesus himself is there during one of the festivals, and he claims that I am he. And all the Pharisees are getting really upset, saying, hey, we need to arrest him. He's not. It's blasphemy. But Nicodemus, out of all the people, back from John chapter 3, he is the one that stands up for Jesus. And he stands up against his own colleagues. He stands up against his own structure, the very employment agency or the employment structure that he's part of. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Give him a fair trial. And he here, we see him standing up for Jesus in a way. But not does it only finish there. The, the next part we see him, I think it's in verse nine, chapter 19, yes, verse 38. Jesus has just died on the cross. And it says this, that later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away and he was accompanied by Nicodemus. There he is. <laughs> the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night in John 3. And guess what? Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 25 pounds, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And when we look to when Jesus died in his time of need, none of his disciples were there except one. This one, John, the one that he loved. And guess what? Nicodemus was there as well. So as we finish the book of John here on the cross of while we're here, did Nicodemus know God? I think he did. When we see these examples, did he see? I truly believe he did as well, that he acknowledged the Christ and gave him the death of respect. So the question we need to finish with is this. Do we want to know? Do we want to see? This reset is in fact, and the cross is for you. And for me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to be born again. Lord, let us not mistaken this being born again of keeping rituals, but Lord, it is the changing of our heart, the changing of who we know and how we now see the world. And Lord, you did not see the world in the sense that you were going to condemn them that we see in John 3.17. You did not come to condemn the world, but in fact, you came down to save it in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And that is why we are here, because of your grace. And because of that grace, we have the opportunity to be born again in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.